Welcome to another Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Coopercast episode. This is your host, Al's alternator, John Sachs. We talk about the depth of Al's career starting out as a 14-year-old, leading to a career of over half a century in music. We touch on how he might have stayed as a planet in Dylan's solar system, but he wanted to be at the center of his own creative life, which took him then to things like blood, sweat, and tears, and supersession, and a lot more. You were commenting about the fact that you're not, they're not putting you in there for one thing. They're not putting you in there for writing this diamond ring. They're not putting you in there just for playing with Dylan. I didn't or, comment on that. Or just for anything. It's for all of those things. All of those things. Well, well it's been, you know, uh, decades and decades. Yeah. I, I started in the business when I was 14. Right, right. And I'm going to be 80. You're right. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. It's more well over half a century. Yeah, so I think, you know, that's more the gist of of it, I think, than anything. Well, I think it's, it's staying power, but it's also the fact that um, you did cool things in so many areas, you know, writing a number of what, writing, you know, top 10 songs at 1650 Broadway. And really, you know, there is just no question that you affected deeply the sound of Dylan at his most important period. I mean, there's no, just, it's just inarguable. See, I don't think of it like that. Really? I think, I think that a, a, a Dylan affected the, the fact that I even played organ. Right. It worked both ways, but the fact That's, is... Yeah, but I mean, so, so, so you know, I don't think of it like that. But, I mean, to me, I'm a little Dylan freak, as you know, and uh, I've always kind of considered that Blonde on Blonde is his greatest album, and virtually every song, there's a ton of organ in every song. In some cases, it's mostly just you and Dylan that you hear, like Said I'd Lady of the Lowlands is Al Cooper and Bob Dylan. Well, it's not, it's not that. It's that... Um, and we've told the story of Blonde on Blonde. We had four four whole episodes, yes. But that, and, and, and we go back to it with other views that, as things occur to us because it's a big deal. No, but I'm saying um, when we were first there, yeah, uh, for at least two weeks, yeah, uh, the band didn't play, right? And he would just sit and write, and and and, and uh, I bring this up again, yeah. Uh, and to assist that, he had the 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 blockage of the music done. Yeah, and he was you know fighting with the words. Right. So uh, so he would teach me the song. Right. And I would play it over and over for him. Yeah. Because you know uh, it, it wasn't an era where anyone would think he could just play it. And then push a button, and it would keep playing. Right. And he could write the words. Yeah. So I became the machine. <laughs> and and that was helpful because when we actually went to record the song, yeah, um, he didn't have to sit around while, while, and I was able to teach it to the musicians. Um, w were you uh, playing it for him over and over on a piano? Uh. 
In the, at the point at which I learned it, yes. Right, yeah. and then you would switch, generally switch to organ in the in the studio. No, I didn't switch. Yeah. There, there was no organ. It was just me, him, his acoustic guitar, and the piano. Right, but... And I, he was writing the songs. Right, but then when you went into the studio, you didn't play piano, you played organ. Well, I played whatever was... Uh, yeah. No, there was a piano player. They had... Pig, Pig Hargis, who was yeah. like a monster, just passed away last year, I think. I saw that. Yeah. But anyway, what we've done in these podcasts, you know, all of the eras of Al, the the uh, Royal Teens era, the writer at 1650 with Glass and Levine. Levine? Brass and Levine. Brass, <laughs> sorry. Glass and Levine. Glass and Levine or Brass and Levine. Uh, and you wrote not just this Diamond Ring, but a lot of songs including songs for Gene Pitney, of all. Wrote, all, wrote probably at least eight Gene Pitney songs. It's amazing, because he, he, he was... was a great, he was a great writer. He was no slouch as a writer. Uh, so so or so you're like 22, and you've had two careers, right? And then Dylan said... You, you, you get in the Dylan session. We don't have to rehash that. But now your third career is Dylan's organ player and really co-conspirator in a lot of ways, because... You know, blonde on blonde. He taught me the songs. You taught him to the band. And this is what I was getting at before we took the mic on: is that I got the clear sense that you made a conscious decision at some point that you wanted to be not a planet in Dylan's solar system. You wanted to be Al Cooper. No, I made that decision before I met Dylan. So you were never going to stick with him as his right-hand guy? No, I mean, it got old after a while. Yeah. F from what point of view? From playing concert after concert after concert. Okay. Yeah. Even though it's still, and it's still... It's, it's SOS every night. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know, no matter who it is. Right. What about the people that played with Elvis? On the other hand... You have, a lot of people have written in about how much they enjoyed seeing you play live, whether it was with this group or that group, or even times that you just showed up on your own. So you do like playing in front of, you did like playing in front of people. I just like playing. Okay. And then if you want to pay me for it, and then pay to see me, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have... Skipping, we're, we're going to ignore the, the, the folk uh, Al Cooper because that didn't really go anywhere. We have the, 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 the teen, Royal Teens, we have this, the writer, we have the, the Dylan Al Cooper. And then we have... This is uh, the studio player because of the, the, uh, the Dylan prominence. Yes, which very quickly uh, then becomes the... Blues Project, Al Cooper. Not not that quickly. Not that quickly. Okay, but nevertheless, there's a Blues oh, Project. I think yeah. I think it might have been. The Blues Project came from um, probably Highway 61. Okay. Right, because you were playing with the Blues Project when they. No, no, forget about playing with the Blues Project. Blues Project called me. Yeah. Because I had gained the notoriety from uh, the, the first Dylan album I played on. 
And I was just really wondered yeah. if maybe I wanted to do something like that. Right. And I did. But we but they were they had nothing except a band. Yeah. And we used to go rehearse at people's houses, which I also talked about in the Blues Project episodes that we did. Right. We, we didn't. We, they. We couldn't even afford to. Uh, you know. Yeah. To, to uh, buy a rehearsal hall. Right. So we rehearsed in people's living rooms. Yeah. And um, and we got it together. I just re-listened to our first episode about the first of the four Blonde on Blonde episodes, and you were at the end of a Blues Project concert and had to fly directly to Nashville to work on Blonde on Blonde. So your Blues Project and your Dylan eras were quite interlaced that way. Yes. Uh, but then, when you couldn't add horns to Blues Project, you started a band commonly known as... Uh, what was the name of that little band with the horns? Bullshit and Tits. <laughs> I don't. I don't. That might have been a working title, but it was. Uh, it was. Was it really? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and you came up with one album called "Child is Father to the Man" that a lot of people to to this day uh, just can't hear. I mean, they still play it on vinyl all the time or digitally, whatever they want. You know, so. It got me kicked out of the band, though. Which did? That album. You think so? Because No, I know so. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but you you founded Blood, Sweat, and Tears. So that's, I did do that. That's another whole thing. And then, after that ended, you did a little project called... Uh, that little thing that you did with Mike Bloomfield and Steve Stills. Yeah, not, I, I, I got a job as a producer. little super session. And I had nothing to produce. Right. <laughs> so I said, well, let's get some people and jam. Uh, and that is a legendary record. So, I mean... Well, that's, you know, you know how ludicrous that is. From what point of view? Uh, it took two nights to make that yeah, album. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter. It... But I'm saying, it, it's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. This has been CooperCast, another Hall of Fame episode brought to you by the Solar System. You can always submit more questions for Al at alcooper.com on the CooperCast page.